it is uh, Volkswagen part vendors only. So if you have a Volkswagen, if you like air-cooled stuff, uh, that is definitely the place to go. So lots of lots of stuff to look at. And then in a little a minute or two, I think we will be talking to Brian Loans uh, from Bang Shift and the Motor Trend. Uh, radio sh- uh, TV show called Put Up or Shut Up, and I believe he's up in New Hampshire, so he's at uh, New Ham- New England Dragway. So we'll be talking to him in a bit. So we got a lot of things going on this morning, and I'm not in the studio, but Dennis is. Right, Dennis? Uh, yes, sir. Yes. All right. I'm a little crazy today, but I just tried to call Brian, and I got his voicemail, but his voicemail is full. Oh, okay. So we may have Brian on today. We may have Brian on. Uh, he's he's expecting our calls, so uh, uh, keep trying them, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk to him. Uh, I did tell him eight thirty ish, so you know maybe that's maybe that's the reason. So okay. I'll so keep we have trying. keep trying, keep trying him. Let me know. Let me know what happens. That's the only way we have to get a hold of him is his cell phone. So um, he is he is a uh, a local guy too, and like I said, host of. The new Motor Trend uh, TV show called Put Up or Shut Up. It's a racing show, head-to-head racing show. And they have some uh, what looks like fair combinations of cars racing. And some you kind of look at and go, hmm, really? And uh, he, he does a great job. He's great knowledge of this sort of stuff, too. So does a really good job. Uh, so a lot of things going on. Uh, a headline from Automotive News says, Bland no more. Lexus ES gets an image makeover. Baby LS kicks up styling. Uh, uh, Lexus ES always has played second fiddle to the LS sedan when they were introduced nearly 30 years ago. One was hailed as a bold new flagship to take on the Germans. The other was a dressed-up Toyota Camry. Since then, the Bland ES has uh, dutifully fulfilled the role as a volume entry for the Lexus brand challenging the rivals but now it's looking more and more like a uh, like a full-size Lexus which which makes it which makes it real interesting and uh, uh no more sort of a, a Camry look-alike I guess is uh is part of it and there always was you know I always considered the Lexus ES sort of the best camera you could ever buy. And that wasn't really true because there was a lot of difference uh, internally. Even though they use similar engines, similar transmission, a lot of different um, technology within the two vehicles. So uh, sound deadening, how the even things like motor mounts were different. So a lot of different things. So speaking of cars that you don't expect to see uh, longer range and hybrid power, the redesigned Porsche Cayenne. Uh, it can go 27 miles on a full charge. Porsche last week unveiled a faster, more powerful version of the Cayenne e-hybrid crossover redesigned vehicle is quicker acceleration, higher top speed, and increased electric-only range. Who would have thought? You know, next thing you know, they'll be having um, hybrid drag racers. I don't know. With us on the phone is Brian Loans. Brian Loans, host of Motor Trends Put Up or Shut Up Uh Bang shift guy. Well, uh, I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't know what to call you, Brian. You're you're just everywhere these days. I'm like a uh, I'm like a circus person. On the is that what it is? That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> John, well, thanks, thanks for having me on, John. No, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, busy, but it's fun, man. I get to do a lot of neat stuff with cars, so that's cool. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever stay home? Uh, I stay home about fifty days a year. I spend a lot of time on the road, but. Uh, it's one of those things where at this point they haven't figured out how to do this job on my couch yet, and I'm glad that they haven't. Well, 
well, well, that's well, that's good. And this weekend, you're up at uh, New England Dragway, right? Yeah, so it's the uh, New England Nationals this weekend, and uh, so it's the NHRA race, one of uh, 24 races around the country that we run on the uh, that we run on the tour. And that's uh, the only time the whole kind of circus comes to this part of the country. So, and this is my home track, and it's great to uh, be up here. It's where I kind of grew up at, and I used to actually sleep in a timing tower at this place in the summer times when I worked here. So, it uh, really neat deal. You know, this place opened in 1966, and it was uh, 2013 uh, when they first got uh, when they first got a national event, which is kind of like the dream of this place for 50 years. So, it's great to see it all come to fruition. And the place is packed yesterday; it's going to be packed today. And uh, and a local local favorite, uh, Bobby Tasker is up there, right? Yeah, so Bob, um, really cool story on Bob this year. Obviously, you know, his family, great legacy with the dealership down in Rhode Island, and uh, his grandfather, Bob, the big Bob, was instrumental in a lot of really high-profile Ford performance projects over the years. Like back in the early 60s, they were the ones that kind of invented the, the Thunderbolt. Uh, then they were the ones that invented the Cobra Jet Mustang in 1967. They, they called it the KR8, but then Ford took the idea and made the Cobra Jet out of it, and Bob actually brought Ford Performance back into NHRA drag racing. They had left the sport, gone rally racing and stuff like that, and uh, for, through his persistence, they're back with the Nitro Funny Car. And he's, uh, they had a rough start at the beginning of the year, but the last three, four races, they've come on strong, and everybody up here loves him because he's kind of our, our hometown guy. He, he really is, and, and reaction times. He has some of the quickest reaction times ever posted, it seems like. He is just, he is just quick, quick when that light changes. Yeah, he's he's a guy that uh, the cool thing about Bob is he's he's kind of got a lot of the elements that as you know someone who's in the media or someone who's an announcer really likes. One, he's a super talented driver, and two, uh, he's got a great personality and he's not afraid to kind of put his uh, emotions on his sleeve. You know, a lot of times guys when they're frustrated or whatever kind of bury it in front of the camera, but you know exactly where Bob stands, Bob stands at any moment uh, of a weekend. But yeah, he's a super talented driver, and uh, to have him back out here as a full time racer has been great for the series. Yeah, it really, it really is, and he's and he's one of those guys. You're right. He's he's uh, stature wise, he's not he's not a big guy, but he's he's 300 percent personality when you talk to him. He's he is just uh, he's and he's a Ford guy. And even though the family has all kinds of different dealerships, he is still he still considers himself a Ford kid. And you know, from his first Mustang to uh, whatever Mustang he's driving today. Yeah, and the cool thing is, you know, I was able to spend some time in Detroit with Bob a couple of weeks ago for a project that we we're both kind of working on. And you know, Bob was in Detroit for meetings with Ford, so his, the Tasca family is still on the, the product planning committee for Ford Motor Company. So their influence uh, is still like really very deeply felt in the halls of Dearborn, Michigan. So Bob is out there. They were looking at uh, and examining product planning and ideas for the next six, seven years of Ford Motor Company, and. Um, he is as dedicated a four guys you're ever going yeah, to yeah. meet. Yeah, with, super without it, about what's coming down the pipe. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I I remember talking to his grandfather, and his grandfather was telling me how um, you know he essentially built the first SHO uh, Taurus. You know, he he said, you know. I think we can do something with this car. He, he hot rodded up a Ford three eight to put in it. He didn't have the he didn't have the fancy multi valve uh, engine it ended up with. But he said, you know, here's a car we can make a high performance car, and everybody kind of laughed at him. Then come to find out, it was it was pretty successful in its own right. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on. Speaking of a lot of stuff going on, uh, we talked. Uh, we mentioned uh, your your new show, Put Up or Shut Up. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, Put Up or Shut Up is a, a motorsports show that's on the Motor Trend On Demand Network, so you can go to motortrend.com to check it out. But uh, it's a it's a racing and motorsports show that we always kind of put like a twist on stuff. So our first episode of the new season comes out next week. 
And what we did for that, we shot, we actually shot the episode at the end of last fall out at Willow Springs, uh, road course out in California. So we took a, um, a 1966 Mustang that this guy home built. It's a beautiful car. It's, uh, you know, the guy's a mechanical engineer. So we built this thing into like a road racing car, uh, and we raced it against uh, a brand new, and I'm talking at the time, a literal brand new Porsche 911, uh, Turbo S. So an all wheel drive Porsche, you know, super car basically. Uh, and that car was driven by Randy Phillips, who's a multiple time SCCA world champion. So we stuck a killer road racer in the Mustang. We stuck Randy Post in the Porsche, and this wasn't time trials. This was an actual wheel-to-wheel road race at Willow Springs. Um, we do other stuff, too. So, for instance, uh, we just uh, shot an episode where we drag-raced uh, drag pulling tractors down in, uh, in North Carolina. So everything we do is uh, get a little bit of a twist on it, and it's uh, super fun. No, it's it sounds it sounds like a really good show. I've seen a couple of episodes of it. And the other thing you're sort of, uh, how can I put this in a polite kind of way? Quirkily known for is that a word? Quirkily, um, yeah, uh, known for, yeah, known for is you find all these deserted drag uh, drag strips all around the country. How how many have you found? So uh, I've been to 154 drag strips so far. Now that includes ones that are active and ones that are closed. But uh, yeah, the old tracks to me are uh, fascinating because you know there are still in this country there are still like at least 300 active racetracks. Uh, a couple hundred of them are sanctioned, meaning uh, NHRA or IHRA. You know they're involved with them. But there's at least 100 plus that are like these little kind of small backwater places, and those are my favorite places to find because they're you know they're tracks that are. Uh, very humble. They're normally, you know, the guy that built them normally still operates them, and they're basically little family businesses. And, um, you know, I've been to places where I've had to, you know, literally walk 150, 200, 300 yards into the middle of the woods, and you walk into the woods, and all of a sudden you come upon this opening that used to be a racetrack. And there are other places that you pull around the corner, and you're on a residential street that used to be the racetrack. So it's a fun kind of uh, racing archaeology exercise, I guess. Yeah, and uh, and you sort of do it as a family vacation sometimes, right? Uh, yes, yeah. We on a on a road trip uh, a few years ago. We went. We drove from uh, New England down to North Carolina. This was for Christmas, uh, and we managed to stop at eighteen racetracks along the way. <laughs> My wife and kids wanted to strangle me by about track four, but we we got to eighteen of them by the time we got to North Carolina. There you go. And and as memory serves, there, there was an eighth-mile track in, what was it, Norwood or Westwood? Yeah, so um, so New England Dragway, obviously, is in Epping, New Hampshire. Uh, right. And then there was a small circle track down in Norwood, Massachusetts, and they built an eighth-mile drag strip on the property. And it only operated it only operated for like a year, and it was called New England Dragway South. And uh, it was not welcomed by the neighbors at all. Uh, they had immediate problems with noise, abatement, stuff like that. And then... Uh, in a final uh, moment of, uh, we knew they were, they knew they were going to get shut down at the end of the year, so they had a giant uh, jet car exhibition on the last possible night they could be open to go out with a literal bang. But yeah, it opened, it only operated for a year, but it was called the Wingo Dragway South. There's a car dealership, and I forget which dealership it is right now that's on the property of where that track used to be. You could Google it. If you Google the Wingo Dragway South, you can actually find a map of where it used to be. And that's kind of what I like to do. You know, I like to, I have a lot of old drag racing magazines and literature that I'll kind of lead through from time to time. And if I find the name of a place I haven't heard of, I try to do some background and figure out where it was. Yeah, and and you are you are amazingly talented as far as knowing detail about some some cars. I was I was I stumbled across uh, you and Craig Fitzgerald doing something on YouTube, and you were you were at a junkyard in Vermont, and I and I was like, how do you know about this stuff? Yeah, the junkyard deal was cool. Um, I forget the name of that place, but we got word that there was this big junkyard in Vermont that was closing down, and they had like a couple 
I mean, a couple dozen acres of vintage cars in there. And so I called the place and asked if we could come in there and shoot some videos, and we did. And Craig and I just walked around, and, I mean, they had some real treasures in there. And we just kind of did a, you know, automotive, uh, you know, say an autopsy. But we walked around, and it was interesting. We kind of told people what it was and if they didn't know anything or kind of the interesting parts and pieces on it. But to me, that kind of stuff's fascinating, man, because I look at all those cars, especially the old stuff, it's like, you know, someone that was someone's pride and joy. Like someone paid their hard-earned money, and that was the that was the shiniest, newest thing in the neighborhood. And over the course of time, it kind of ends up, you know, stacked with a Buick on its roof or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That was a neat experience. And I almost I actually tried to buy a truck out of that place. There was a uh, like a '66 uh, Dodge Swept-Line style pickup, a stepside, and I made an offer on it. The guy uh, would not meet me on the price, and I'm cheap. And so I didn't buy it. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know the sad part is that things probably probably turning into a pile of rust. You know, you probably should have taken your offer. Yeah, it's either rust or it's been smelted into a puddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, point, but yeah, it, it no longer exists on this earth as we do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, your like I said, your depth of knowledge of this stuff is, is amazing. Whether it's whether it's uh, you know some of the old stuff like that or vintage racing or current racing, uh, you. You uh, you know your stuff when it comes to that, and when it comes down to racing, um, you know you look at you look at racing today, and a lot of it, you know, I I remember talking to Bobby Tasker a couple of years ago, and we we're talking about you know when you when you're staged, when you're ready to go, and then all of a sudden, you're he says you don't there's no time to think there's you just you just kind of you just kind of go and that's all there is to it, and he said anybody anybody who's tells you that you know it's all about the uh, you know when the light changes and he said you don't even think about that stuff and i kind of look at i kind of look at some of the vintage racing i'm like i kind of miss i kind of miss the idea of clutches and uh and stick shifts yeah no there's totally an element of that and that's why you know there's a especially in drag racing there's a heavy segment of what we call nostalgia drag racing where guys will build cars to a spec you know there are guys a series out there in uh, the southeast called the southeast gassers that use the 1968 NHRA rulebook as their rulebook. So they build all the cars to that spec, and they can only use parts from that period. Um, it's interesting. You know, like our pro stock category at NHRA is kind of the last vestige of that in a, in a pro drag racing sense where the drivers leave on, they let go of the clutch pedal, and then they shift five gears. Now, the transmission they use to shift the five gears is clutchless, so they're not actually punching a clutch to, to, grab, the, to grab the gear shift lever, but um, that's the last thing we have on a pro level now. We run a class called Stock Eliminator in NHRA that is very highly restricted on rules. It's an amateur-style class, and it sounds disrespectful to say that, but it is. And it's, it's, it's a sportsman-style class where, um, you know, you'll see guys with a 69Z28 that still has the Super T10 transmission, that still has the 302 with the stock intake manifold, the stock carburetor, and the stock left camshaft with stock cylinder heads on it. So, you know, we we're, one of the reasons I love drag racing is we still are able to dip our toe a little bit in that, old style world and yet still have what we have in terms of the you know in terms of the, the pro level stuff that's just off the charts with data acquisition and all the insanity that, that goes along with a multi-million dollar racing operation yeah you know even even in even in the kind of we'll call it the amateur class uh a uh, friend of mine has a drag car, and he's uh, he said something like uh you know really what it is it's it's spending money you don't have to impress people you don't know yeah, that was Grumpy Jenkins. He said the definition of a drag racer is uh, spending spending par- spending money on parts you don't need to impress people you don't know. Uh, and I forget there was a third line of it. <laughs> there was a third line of it too. 
The other great yeah. aggregation line that people use out here is that uh, gasoline's for washing parts, alcohol's for drinking, and nitromethane's for racing. <laughs> there, there, there you go. Well, well, this guy, this guy apparently stole the line from Grumpy Jenkins. So, uh, yeah, or mod- modified right. it, modified it enough just to call it, you know, just to call it his own. So, uh, but uh, where can we, where can we hear your voice this weekend? Anywhere, or just, uh, or do we have to be sitting so, yeah, in the stands? If, if, you, if you love any trade drag racing, there's a service called Any Trail Access. You can go to anytrailaccess.com. It's like you can subscribe to it for like nine bucks for the weekend. Watch a really high level live stream of the whole race. Uh, or you can catch me on the Fox Sports broadcast this weekend. I'll be doing a couple segments on the show that will air tomorrow. Uh, or you can get yourself up here to gloriously awesome New England Dragway on uh, Exit 8 off Route 101 in Epic, New Hampshire. Yeah, do you, do you, do you want to go like Sunday, 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 or, you know? Or, yeah. Sunday! That was the old, yeah. the old uh, yeah. New England Dragway as the guy yeah. screaming, Sunday! Yeah, exactly. You know, this place, uh, this place means a ton of me. I actually wrote the radio ads at this place for a few years uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And if I could ever dig those up, they let me get pretty creative with them, and we had, uh, we had a lot of fun. But the old Sunday voice will never be replaced. Uh, yeah. now, now, that, now that you're you know, on TV all over the place and you've been doing this for a long while, do your kids think you're famous? You know, my kid, I don't know. I don't think they do. They seem very unimpressed. I'll tell you, I, you know, all this different stuff that I do, I got uh, my voice... Uh, American version of Top Gear, the, the one that was on a few years ago with Tara yeah. Faust and uh, and those guys, they came and raced at our at the Gator Nationals down in Florida, and they use uh, and I announced the races, so they used my voice on the show as the voiceover, and that was the only thing that has uh, like moderately impressed my kids. <laughs> the rest of it, the, the rest of it is just stuff to them. Yeah, yeah. And on the fifty on the fifty uh, days a year you're home, do you still have to take out the trash? Ah uh, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> still have, still have the responsibility, and I think actually they're probably amplified. I believe I have 365 days of responsibilities over the course of 60 days of my house. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So all kinds of places to watch you, all kinds of all kinds of drag racing going on. And for people who have never been to New England Dragway, uh, for a little for a little bit of money, you get in and you can you can wander the pitch. You can you can do a lot of cool stuff up there uh, for pretty short money. Yeah, no, the, the reality is, like, the NHRA event's the biggest thing that we have happen every year, and it's like, you know, it's the huge, it's the, the big circus, or we call it the big show. But the reality is this place is open four days a week from April to October, from April to Halloween. So, like, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can come up here. You can, if you want to come in and spectate, it's like 10 or 15 bucks. You can wander the whole place. You can look at all the cars. You can see everything. Or if you want to come racing on Wednesday or Friday night or even Saturday or Sunday, it's like 20, 25 bucks, and you can make some runs in your car and, you know, the reality is Bob Tasker started doing this the same way the rest of us did, which is he came up here in his, what was basically a stock Mustang GT. He was making runs in the 14, 15 second range, and it set the hook for him, and it's what it's, what it's done for all of us. You know, I'm, I came up here my first run ever. I was 16 years old at a 1982 Chevy pickup with a four-speed in it, and it ran 19 seconds, and it was the fastest thing I had ever done in my life. <laughs> my clutch leg was shaking and everything else, and... Um, it's a really neat deal. If you love just checking out cool stuff, show up here on a Wednesday or Friday night. You're going to see hundreds of streetcars and guys up here, girls just having fun and, 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 you know, kind of beating up their stuff. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, uh, and and you and I both know Junior D'Amato. And uh, yeah. we'll, have to, we'll have to see if we can borrow his demon he just bought. Oh, he's got a demon now. Did he he tell does. He, he had the Viper. I remember the Viper he had until he bought a demon. Yeah. Yeah, he no, just he just he just yeah he just bought a demon about two weeks ago from a private party. The guy had some guy bought it 
bought it, had some health issues, and Junior found it and uh, brought it back home. So brand new demon. Maybe we can maybe we can talk him to bring it up to New England Dragway. Either that, or we can just you know uh, we can just sneak up behind him and steal the keys and. And he won't well, be able to catch us if we get it, we get it away from him. <laughs> there we go. Sounds like a good idea. Hey, Brian, thanks for taking Sweet. time out of your busy weekend. I know you got a lot going on, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, John. I appreciate you All having me right. on, man, and uh, always great to talk to you. All right. Take care, Brian. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. That was Brian Loans. Brian Loans, uh, uh, host of Put Up or Shut Up. You Also, he is or still is host of uh i think it's two guys garage it's a remake of the earlier version of that show he did that for about a year on velocity uh this is on the put up or shut up is on motor trend on demand and but i will let you know occasionally it pops up on they put some episodes on youtube you can find it there in fact most of the motor trend stuff uh whether it's roadkill or some of the other shows uh you'll see it in fact you uh just uh google Google his name, and you'll find some, a lot of the videos he did, a lot of the interviews he did, a lot of stuff from uh, from uh, SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Manufacturers Show, out in Las Vegas. He's interviewed a lot. And his website, BangShift, uh, uh, good stuff on that site as well. So a lot of, a lot of things to uh, look at and watch that Brian's in. And Brian, interestingly enough, I met Brian, it was at a tire testing event, down at uh, Gillette Stadium in the parking lot of Gillette Stadium, and we just got talking. And he said, "Oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I got a website, Bankshift." And I said, "Oh, I th- think I've heard of it." Uh, and we got talking some more. I said, "Where are you from?" And he goes, um, "Abington." I said, "Abington, the same town I live in." And he goes, "Yeah." And I'm like, "There's another another guy who writes about cars in the same town I live in. That's uh, small world sort of stuff. Why don't we take a quick break? Our phone lines are open if you want to join us at 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. We'll be right back. Well, I'm not bragging, babe, so don't put me down. But I've got the fastest set of wheels in town. When something comes up to me, you don't even try to And welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Uh, seems appropriate music for after just talking to Brian at uh, New England Dragway. I was up there, oh, it was four or five years ago. There was an event going on on a Saturday, so after the show, I took a ride up there, and uh, and it was and it was uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and a lot of fun for like I said, short money. And Saturday, that was it was just uh, there was uh, some good amateur stuff going on, just a lot of good stuff. Our phone number six one seven. 770 3030 617 
770-3030. If you want to get through and talk to us about your car, your car problems, whatever's on your mind, you can you can join us at that phone number. In fact, let's talk to uh, Mike about whatever he has on his mind. Michael. Good morning. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I'll turn up my phone. Hey, quick question for you. Uh, I'm looking. I have a relatively new car I bought, very low mileage on it, and I'm looking to put a preventive coating on the paint. And I've been looking at something called a ceramic coating they put on. It's not cheap, but they guarantee it for uh, five years or so. Have you dealt with this at all? Are you familiar with it? I've I've heard I've heard of different things and ceramic. You know, sir. I guess ceramic like porcelain is a pretty hard material and yep. the theory is the theory is i guess it would would last a long time i don't know that it does anything different than a good coat of wax applied you know two or three times a year um how much how much how much is it and does and and who has to put it on and does it have to be maintained uh it's done by professionals it has to be done yep. by a professional yep. just to clean the car to prepare the car for it costs two hundred dollars Right. Just, so it's a long. It's like a two-day process. Uh, then they put they put it on the professionals. It's done by a reputable professional local auto detailer yeah. here in the Weymouth Weymouth area. Uh, he puts it on, uh, and then it takes about a day for it to dry. And they say we'll give you a five-year warranty. And what it warranties you? You'll never see swirls like you know. I always wax yeah. my car and there's mm-hmm. swirls in it. You know, pitch from. Uh, uh, and after you get done, you get a lot of scrapes, especially from a car wash and such like that. Yep. It sounds like it's a very hard coating over, which you already got a hard, uh, already have a hard coat. But uh, this fellow claims that Lexus, for whatever reason, has pretty soft paint. Uh, they're one of the ones they look at, that the, the clear coat is as hard as other manufacturers. And this yep. protects it. And like they say, anything goes wrong, come back in five years, we'll fix it. Mm. Well, um yeah, I I get. I mean, the, the the day of prep is all is all going to be cleaning it, stripping off all the wax, clay barring the car, making sure that every little imperfection is off of the paint. And yep. so I can understand how that is a day of you know of that kind of work, and yep. then uh, apply whatever this coating is. Uh, you know, once you clay bar the car and and buff any of the swirls that are already on the paint off of it so you get you get as deep of original finish as you can i guess so i just always i just always look at this stuff as is it really going to be that good and in five years is the company who makes the product still going to be around or is it in three or four years if you start to get some swirls on it it, you know from going through the car wash or whatever the case is um is it up to whoever put it on to just try to take care of it um you know it's the the cheap the cheap side of me says i'm a little skeptical about it um but I don't know enough about it really to make to make a good decision on it. Um, if it was if it was as good as I'd like it to be, you know, I'm surprised there isn't some of the high end exotic cars that are doing it kind of right from the factory. Well, it's funny you should say that because in his shop, he has two shops. The other shop, I was down there in Braintree. It's a one place you can't find. There were nothing but Lotus and Ferraris down there. Oh, okay. There a lot of like McLarens. There was a lot of them sitting down there. Get, yep. I was very surprised at the high-end iron that was down okay. there in that area. So, hey, you know, I'll give it a shot and see what happens, and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll update you, you know? Yeah, so. because the only thing, I mean, the only thing that you're, it's, 
you know, if, you know, environmental, you know, whatever the case is, you know, bird bird crap coming on the car, yep. tree sap, whatever the case is, you know, it's still it's still going to you're still going to have to go out there and wash it off and clean it and make sure it doesn't doesn't hurt the paint. So, yep. um, you know, I I guess I guess as long as as long as you do your job, it's going to do its job, I guess. Yep. So, like yeah, well, it comes from a pretty ripple firm which has been around for a long time. Yep. So, yep. I'll give it a shot and give yeah. you a call do you, back. Do you know do you know the name of the actual product? I, I don't. It's ceramic. I, I can actually. Yeah. I, I can't run to it right now. We're on the line. Right. Yeah, but that's it, fine. Uh, I'll drop you a line and, and, right. and, and tell you about it. Okay. All right. All right. Good yeah. enough. All right. Thanks, Thank Mike. All right. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Thought I'd talk about the uh, Nissan Titan, and the Nissan Titan pickup is a uh, full-size truck. It comes in five trim levels, three cab configurations, two and four-wheel drive, and even a diesel engine option. Our road test was in the gasoline-powered four-wheel drive crew cab SL Midnight Edition. The Midnight Edition is available on SL and SL versions of the Titan. Midnight trim blacks out the grill. Much of the trim, step plates, adds unique interior, as well as riding on black 20-inch wheels. Not all trim levels available in all sizes. All of the models of the gasoline Titan are powered by the same 5.6 liter, 390 horsepower V8 engine. The engine is connected to a 7-speed automatic transmission, and two- or four-wheel drive is available on the road. This full-size truck feels big. Uh, tight maneuvers and parking uh, can be a bit of a challenge. If you're not used to a full-size truck... Um, Performance is outstanding with 390 horsepower on tap, 394 foot-pounds of torque. Titan has the ability to tow up to 9,500 pounds and can carry a payload of nearly 2,000 pounds when accelerating from a stop or merging with fast-moving traffic. Titan has more than enough power. I would hope so with, you know, almost 400 horsepower. Fuel economy during my test drive averaged just 18 miles per gallon in a mix of city uh, and mostly highway driving. There are uh, trucks that can carry more and tow more, but the Titan should be more than competent for most buyers. The ride is comfortably uh, is comfortable, smoothing out potholes and other road imperfections. Handling is surprisingly good with minimal body roll, and the cabin's quiet with little wind or road noise. Um, Nissan did a great job of combining comfort with capability. Uh, unlike some other trucks, I think you know you think about Nissan products. And whether it's a, an SUV like the uh, like the CX-5 um, by Mazda, you, you think of Mazda as as good handling vehicles, and you think of Nissan. Well, is the Rogue as good a handling vehicle as a Mazda? Um, I think Nissan took a little bit of their uh, you know sp- kind of sports car handling, and you know did did they put it in the truck? No, but I think they looked at some of the vehicles that they had, whether it's a, a Maxima or um, or some of their other better handling vehicles. And it, I, it's, it feels to me like the engineers kind of crossed over into the truck side and got this um, got this to handle pretty well and, and again, ride pretty well. Um, the front seats are wide, fairly comfortable, and should make for a good long-distance uh, cruiser. The controls are simple, perhaps a bit dated, but overall easy to understand and use. Uh, there's Great storage uh, with a large center console, plenty of cup holders, bi- uh, little bins and reasonable size glove compartment. There's also plenty of 12-volt outlets, even a 117-volt outlet that can power small household devices. The rear seat in our crew cab edition easily seats three adults with plenty of head and leg room. The large door allows for easy 
uh, entry and exit. The running boards help shorter drivers and passengers get into this high-riding truck. The rear bed comes in 5.5, and 8-foot bed lengths, depending on cab configuration. The 5.5-foot cargo bed and a test truck had non-slip spray and bed liner, an adjustable tie-down system, and removable lockable uh, side cargo boxes. The cargo boxes can be used for both tool storage or as a cooler for food and drinks, according to them. Um, and they're inside the box. So unlike uh, the Dodge Ram, where they're sort of on top of the fenders, built into the top of the fenders, these are inside and are removable. Um, the Nissan Titan may be a bit dated compared to the competition, but any age offset is um, any of the age and how it maybe feels is certainly offset with Titan Superior ride and handling. Like I said, uh, uh, mileage, 15 city, 20 highway. I was right in the middle of that. Uh, engine, 390 horsepower. Base price, $52,440. Vehicles are as expensive as houses used to be nowadays. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to our buddy, John Diamond, who uh, he must be getting all ready for uh, tomorrow. John, good morning. Yeah. yeah, yes, sir. How are you today? I am just fine. Uh, uh, you got something, well, you got some little event going on tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah, we're trying. We've got about 50 people here combing the grounds to set it all up, and uh, the good Lord looks like it's going to give us nice weather. Yeah, I think it's going to be perfect weather for for a car show. Uh, nice day, not too hot, it looks like. Um you know, compared to, say, uh, earlier in the week where it was uh, high humidity and high temperatures, I think I think tomorrow's going to be a really good day. What time do you think we can expect you tomorrow? Well, you know, Sunday mornings, I, Sunday mornings I'm a little leisurely getting up, you know, so, you know, I like to have my coffee and go for a little walk. So, you know, prob- probably mid-morning. I think we'll be done by then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, let's go over the basics of the show again tomorrow. You're located in Dedham at the Endicott Estate, right? Yes, it's Agus 14 off of 128. And and you guys do a pretty good job of putting signs up to get from uh, 128 to the Endicott Estate. Yes, yeah, we've got quite a few signs up on both ends, one and 128. Yeah, and uh, how, how long has this show been going on? Well, this is uh, how long are you? Forty seven. Forty seven show. Forty seven show. So you guys have been you, you Yeah. You you almost got it down now, right? We're pretty close, but you'd be surprised we have meetings all year long and there's always problems. <laughs> um and uh you have multiple classes of cars. Uh you have pretty reasonable admission and kids under 12 are free so it's a good family event if you get kids you can you can bring them bring them to the show and if they're under 12 they get in for free uh you got we, we you have got, about 35 classes roughly with uh three awards in each class so you get a decent tie you get a decent chance for winning something too and it's gonna be in here before 10 o'clock that's right, and one of the things I always try to tell people, and I'll, and I'll I'll say it till the day I die: if you're interested in buying a certain kind of car, wh- whatever it is, go to a car show and talk to the people that already own it, because they're going to be able to tell you, you know, mistakes that they've made, mistakes that they've heard about, or or the right cars to look at that. Uh, that that are that are fun that are fun to have and uh, no one no one should ever buy a car for the pure investment of it people should people should buy classic cars and 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 uh 
muscle cars or antique cars. They should buy them because they're fun, right? You couldn't be more truthful. Some people buy them from one trail to the next, and they get no respect for me. <laughs> and uh, and I I I always kind of like the idea of people that actually drive their cars places. The idea of a car that sits on a trailer and gets uh, comes off the trailer just for a show to me just doesn't. You're not really enjoying the car that way. Well, the enjoyment for me of driving any of my old cars is hope to God I get there. There, there you go, yeah, because uh, uh, I, I, remember, I remember once, uh, and I don't know what I did with it, but I had a, uh, uh, I guess it was a reproduction of a Model T owner's manual, and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and the stuff it said to bring with you, you know, including bailing wire and rope, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else it was, but it made it sound like you weren't going to make it around the block. <laughs> Survival kit. Yeah, exa- exactly. So um, the show, the show is uh, uh, car, cars go have to be on the field by ten o'clock to be judged. Um, right. The the cars can the cars can start getting in around seven. Uh, the trophies are at two, uh, and and if you're going to be there, if you if you say, oh, you know, it's uh, I, I get hungry when I'm at when I, you know if I'm out during the day and I'm out during the day for that long. Um, you guys, you guys get food vendors there so you can get something to eat and uh, very reasonable yeah, too. Yeah, I, w- I was going to say a hot dog, a hot dog and a soda there is a lot cheaper than Fenway Park. Well, anything's cheaper than Fenway Park. <laughs> um, so, so a lot of stuff, and you know, even though I took a shot at the people with. Uh, the people with the trailer queens that bring their cars in that way, um, you guys do have a little uh, little area where somebody, if they do have a car on a trailer, can bring it in, drop it off, and uh, and then uh, get it onto the grounds afterwards. So uh, we, we actually, John Paul, have a pretty extensive area to park trailers and and just spectators' cars and a bus service that shuttles them back and forth for free. Yeah, and and that and that's the that's the big thing. And for people who are saying, you know what, tomorrow looks like it's going to be a nice day to do something like this, and then they get up there and they go, "Geez, where do you where do you park?" You know, the the streets are crowded with cars. No, you go you go right down the street and you take the shuttle back, and it's a free shuttle um, right up to the show. And uh, if you have if you have a if you haven't been on a bus for a while, it's always it's always uh, something you should do, right? The buses run like from eight to four. Yeah, we don't leave anybody stranded. No, and uh, and you have and you have uh, live entertainment, live entertainment with uh, Cruz and Bruce Palmer's uh, gonna gonna have some music playing in the background. Huh? So yeah. all ki- all kinds of stuff going on. It's worthwhile timing. It's supposed to be a real nice day. Yeah, and uh, so it's gonna again. It's at the Endicott Estate. It's the uh, Bay, T- Bay State Antique Auto uh, Club Auto Show. Um, it is just a fantastic thing. And if you're thinking about buying a car, there's always cars for sale in the car corral, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of car stuff there too, right? Yeah, East Street in Denham is the exact address. It's very easy to find. Yeah, it, it is, and, it, and for people follow follow the signs. It's always it's uh, it's always a good show. Uh, certainly go. Go check it out and see what it is. And uh, and John, I always appreciate you calling in and letting us know about the show because uh, th- this is this is uh, even though you don't see me there, 
Well, you know, you, you hear me there. So, uh, but uh, but it, it's I've been to the show a few times, and it's always it's always been one of my favorite shows to go to. And it was it was actually one of the first shows I um, one of the first big car shows I've ever been to. So it always kind of means a little something to me. So well, we um, know you're here in spirit anyway. There, there you go. There you go. All right, John. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, sir. All right. Good luck with the show tomorrow, and uh, and uh, save me a cup of coffee around ten thirty. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That was our buddy John Diamond from the Bay State Antique Auto Club. Uh, they do they do a nice show up there. It's uh, uh, it's a little bit of a fundraiser, too. So, you know, if you're up there, go check it out and see, see what it's all about. It is um, – if you are thinking about buying a – uh, antique car, or, you know, you know, something a little bit unique and different, not your regular day-to-day car. Uh, go, go check out, go check out any car show because talking to the people that make the mistakes, that have made the mistakes in their lives, and said, you know, I bought this, you know, whatever it is, you know, '65 Mustang because I couldn't afford one when I was a kid, so I went out and found one, and they, they're going to tell you, you know, watch out for the rear quarters because they always rust out, or the subframe has a problem, or you know, uh, um, you know, even if you even if you're thinking about going out and buying a Jeep or something, um, you know, the 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 body mounts rust away, or you're going to buy something odd like a. a you know, a, a a Land Rover. You know, and you go well. They're they're all aluminum bodies. There's no rust. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, but the frames are steel and they rust out. Um, you know, there's there's always something to talk to people about. You know, whether it's um, you know the rear, like I said, the rear frame rails in a in a sixty sixty two to sixty four Chevy because you said I always wanted one of those. You know, things that you can see that can be a can be a problem later on and maybe things that weren't repaired properly that somebody can give you a tip on and let you know that you know yeah this was really common you got to watch out and you might find that you might find that it was you know repaired eh, by not the not the best repair job in the world by somebody who maybe wasn't doing a very good job and the other part of it is that Sometimes the owner of the car doesn't really know. You know, they sent it out someplace, and, you know, somebody did kind of a uh, poor repair on it, covered it over with a little bit of uh, fiberglass or Bondo afterwards. And I've seen I've seen uh, frames that have been uh, pretty poorly repaired, but you look at them, and they, they have enough filler in them where they, they filled them, undercoated them, and they, they look perfect. They look too perfect. Uh, and you have to you have to wonder about those. So you have to make sure they're repaired properly. And uh, there are shops that do that kind of work. And when they do it, they do it right, and you'll find you'll find a lot of good stuff. So according to the 2018 Vehicle Health Index from CarMD, the most common car repair in 2017 was to replace an oxygen sensor. Uh, important to the car's performance and the environment, oxygen sensors measure the amount of unburned oxygen in the exhaust and tell the car's computer when there's either too much or not enough fuel as compared the, the with oxygen for the ideal operation. Sensors fail prematurely to a variety of causes, including lack of maintenance like neglecting oil changes or engine contamination from internal coolant leaks. Oxygen sensors also fail from uh, uh, when, when repairs are done using that... Um, RTV blue, the uh, the the silicone like um, 
make your own gasket stuff, uh, they don't like that. They don't like that stuff when it burns off and it, and it contaminates the sensors. Many drivers ignore the oxygen sensor because their cars often seem like they're driving just fine, but the reality is replacing your fuel's oxygen sensor is... Um, if you know if you don't do it sometimes you can have a problem according to uh car md the average cost to replace an oxygen sensor in 2017 was 238 dollars um interestingly i have kind of mixed feelings about do you use the factory sensor or do you use a replacement sensor because i have done both and in one of the cars that i owned uh, when I worked as a mechanic years ago, I would always, unless it was somebody who was really on a budget, um, I would always try to use the factory sensor. Um, but on one of my own cars once, uh, I had a problem. I replaced the sensor with what happened to be available. And the car ran fine. The check engine light went out like it was supposed to, stayed out. But that car always had a very slight hesitation as it was starting to warm up. Not when it was cold. When it was cold, it was fine. And as it warmed up and as it was hot, it was fine. But right in between, and I always blamed it on the aftermarket oxygen sensor not quite being up to par with what was in there originally. Uh, The second most common repair, uh, ignition and spark plug issues, accounting for about almost 6% of the recommended repairs uh, moving up. uh, It was actually third most common repair previously. what happens is if you uh, forget about spark plugs, because they can stay in there forever, it seems like, um, spark plugs and ignition coils work together and help the car start and keep it running properly. Faulty spark plugs can trigger ignition coil failure. Yeah, well, if they're really, really bad and they're um, acting like an open circuit, yeah, it can put too much uh, too much stress on the coil itself, and that, that can be a problem. Um, high underhood temperatures can also cause ignition coils to fail ignition coil prices can vary all over the place from relatively inexpensive to expensive um volkswagen a bunch of years ago had problems with ignition coil failure and the um they were covered by a warrant an extended vehicle warranty kind of a we'll call it a it was, I don't. I, I don't even know if it was an actual recall, and it may have been. But they replaced the ignition coil, and, or coils. Um, but interestingly, all they were doing was replacing it with exactly the same one. There was no update. There was no anything to it. They were just sort of putting off the recall, or putting off the whatever would go bad, and just say, okay, well, the first one lasted five or six years. The second one will last five or six years, and maybe by then you won't. You won't come back to us about it. Um, catalytic converters accounted for about 5% of the repairs, dropping from second to third. Um, things uh, things like bad spark plugs can cause catalytic converter failures. Catalytic converters are another one of those things where you have to look at, do I put the original one in? Are you and okay? The idea. John. Yes, why? Are you okay? Why? You just sounded like you were choking for a second. I, I lost my voice for a second. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm I'm back. I'm fine. All right. I'm fine. I I had I had a little sip of coffee. I I'm mean, fine. I'm not in front of you, so I can't see. So I didn't know if I had to call nine one one. No, no, no. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I could have I could have reached over and cleared my throat, but I figured I could I could work my way through it. So. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's it's good I'm providing entertainment for you, you know? This is true. <laughs> hey, you know, um, one of the people I want to hear from is your buddy, the you know, the the van guy. Okay. Um you know, it, it'd be good to hear from him and see, see where he's going because I think his, he's going to travel, what, through, what do you say, through October maybe? Yeah, he said he wants to be in this back in this area around October. Yeah. So he can be here for Halloween and Thanksgiving, and then he goes back home to um, South Beach um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the really winter time. So he uh, avoids winter by going to Florida. Exactly. Pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Um, so it 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 be it be good to hear from him and see whether he seemed like he was really enjoying it. He still see whether see whether he still is. All right, we'll do. Yeah. Because um, I kind of you know I kind of like I kind of like hearing from people like that. And it was kind of it was sort of interesting. I was actually talking to somebody from um, Chrysler Corporation, and I was telling I was telling them about it, and they said they said oh we gotta we gotta go check that out. So I. You know, gave him the gave him the podcast, and I said, you know, you can listen to the podcast, and you can find out more information uh, about it, and you kind of get a whole feeling for the guys. So they were going to do that, and you know, who knows? Maybe they can. Maybe he'll end up with us with a sponsor someday. Who knows? I mean, who I knows? see. I still see him up there. I think he's still in the uh, upper. He's in the Northwest Territories right now. Hmm. He's. I think he's going up to Canada in the next couple weeks. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's it's you know if he was heading up that way, it'd be it'd be in- just interesting to hear from, see what see what kind of you know see what kind of sights he's run, you know seen, see what kind of people he's met along the way. I think that's what uh, that's what makes it that's what makes it kind of fun and interesting when you when you're doing that kind of stuff. So, absolutely. Anyway, why don't we why don't we take a break? I'll drink some more coffee. I'll clear my throat. How's that? That'd be good. All right. Why don't we do that? Works for me. All right. My name's John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. Or you may be listening on 100.3 FM. Or you might be listening on the WROL app where you can find that on iTunes as well as all kinds of other places. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. The song that was on just before we went to break, Mustang Sally buys a GTO. I I have never heard that one before. No, I gotta find it. I gotta find out where that one came from. That that's uh, that's sort of interesting. So I want to know who's finding these songs. Um. I have no idea. They're just showing up, right? Yep. It's like I said. Now I don't. I don't choose them anymore. It's just a little button that I press, and it just does random things. Wow. Hmm. This is the. This may be the oddest thing that I've. I don't know. This. This got to fit in there with one of the oddest things. Ford has filed a, for a patent that features a motorcycle integrated into what looks like to be a Ford Focus or Focus wagon or. 
what could have been an escort wagon, I don't know. The company's calling it a multimodal transportation apparatus, kind of like what Honda did in the 1980s with an integrated uh, two-wheel motorcycle thing. Unlike uh, Motocompo, which is what Honda called theirs, Ford's bike emerges from the front of the car, a la Batmobile, to ride to whatever location comes next. Of course, just because Ford filed file for a patent doesn't mean it's happening. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Offices publishes all applications 18 months after submission. The patent notes that the motorcycle is equipped with and can be autonomously driven by an electric motor. It will be fixed securely to the car with a connection that can be established and released by the user in a reversible manner. The bike and car can also be used independently of each other. Uh, the battery of the bike will be wired into the main vehicle, which is, um, in this example, is a battery, electric, or hybrid, and will be charged by the same system that charges the car. The infotainment system is part of the bike, which will rest between the driver and passenger seat and uh, will be available to the motorcycle rider after the two have been detached. Imagine parking the car in an enormous college parking lot, then taking the bike right to the class uh, door, or now that we think of it, find a free spot on the street, and then uh, drive away on the motorcycle scooter thing after that. It is, it, I, I, I don't know. I guess they're correct. They're getting close to becoming Transformers. Uh, this is this is a transformer of sorts. Uh, I mean, like you, you know, said, like the Batmobile in the in the in the the um, the, the Beale Batman yeah. movies. But still, that's kind of neat. Like, it's 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 neat, but I, I I don't know. It's it's one of those things that it, to me it seems like it's the answer to a question no one's ever asked. Exactly. But yeah. Still. I, you know, I don't know who out there said. You know, I'd really love it. If I could have a motorcycle built into the middle of my car, that when I press a button, the motorcycle pops out of the car, I can leave the car parked two miles away uh, where the parking's free, and then I can ride the motorcycle to where uh, maybe they have free motorcycle parking. I don't, eh, you know. Or when you're just fed up with um, with with uh, commuting traffic and all that, you can just say, screw it, I'm leaving my car here on the highway, piss everybody else off, and... Take the motorcycle and then do the lane the lane cutting things that motorcyclists like to do that I hate. <laughs> well, and 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 splitting lanes is actually illegal except for California where it's not illegal. Exactly. Um, yeah, in in Massachusetts, uh, uh, yeah, you can't you can't split a lane. But oddly enough, California you can, and I, it, to me, just um, not being a motorcyclist, uh, to me, it looks awfully dangerous to do. Uh, riding two up, on the other hand, that is legal in in most states. Uh, so two people can two pe- motorcycles can ride together in a lane, which certainly a lot safer. But you know, one of those things. So I also I don't know. Uh, we're on this bad tangent, but um, I don't. I also don't know. Um, someone mentioned at one point to me that motorcyclists can drive in any breakdown lane at any time. Is that correct? Um, well, you can too. You just get a ticket for it. No, I mean, it's legal for them to do so. No, 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 no. Nope, you can't, you know, motorcycles can, motorcycles are, motorcycles are simply two-wheel motor vehicles, and they they have to abide by the same rules of the road that that, uh, four-wheel vehicles do. So they cannot ride in the breakdown lane. Uh, They cannot, uh, you know, split the lane. They cannot 
ride in what would be the, you know, some highways, a left-hand breakdown lane. Nope, they have to follow all the same rules, and breakdown lanes are for breakdowns. The one thing a motorcycle can do is they can drive in the high occupancy lane. So if you're driving into Boston and you're on a motorcycle, you can drive in the zipper lane. But but that's it. All right. I was yeah. I, have, I was arguing with the person. I'm like, I don't think that's right, and I knew I was correct, but... They you were put a convincing argument in there, and I was like, oh. well, it's it's all it's all it's all, all how you state it, I guess. So, all right, we do have a caller on the line named Michael. All right, well, let's talk to Michael. Michael, yes, good morning, John. Good morning, how are you? Good, sir. Thank you. I hope you and your family had a good Fourth of July. Um, it was it was quiet, uh, it, and it still amazes me when I look around at uh, fireworks going off all over the place that they're not legal in Massachusetts. I know that. Maybe you look go around looking for people with minus digits, but that's another issue. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I, I read I read a headline in Florida, and and um, and I guess fireworks must be legal in Florida, and a lot of people got hurt with uh, either stuff that exploded or doing stupid things, or you know, in Florida, Florida is. Uh, you know, the, the land of people doing stupid things sometimes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll leave that statement there. The reason, yeah. I'm call- reason I'm calling is you've spoken about harbor freight items, tools, and things like that before. And, you know, and you've, you, know, you say you buy them and they work until they don't, that kind of thing. I was just going to get ask your opinion about one of those um, automatic float chargers, battery tenders from oh, yeah. harbor freight. Um, it's originally... Nine ninety nine, but if you get a coupon, you can get it as low as four ninety nine. So, that's my question: What do you think about something like that? Because I currently have the one that AAA recommends. You know that one. No, the battery, right the battery tender. Yep. Yeah, I actually yep. have, I actually have a battery tender, and I have something else called a battery genius, or so, I don't know. I don't remember what it was called. And the 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 battery tender one. Um, I have I, it, it's a it's a nice unit. It's actually the bigger one. The other one I have uh, is supposed to actually desulfate the battery, so it kind of breaks up the junk that settles in the bottom of the battery, and um, it works okay. I I have looked at the at the whatever it is four ninety nine five ninety nine uh, float charger at Harbor Freight and said, how can this thing be any good? The one thing that I would worry about it is that um, I don't know that I would leave it totally, you know, like the battery tender, I feel pretty comfortable leaving it unattended forever. You know, it's designed to shut off. It's smart. It knows when the battery's fully charged, um, so it doesn't work. I have seen them literally on million-dollar cars where people just sort of ignore them and don't worry about them. I don't know if I'd feel that way about the $5 one from Harbor Freight. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking along those lines. You know, you, yeah. you said you bought scan tools, and they work pretty well and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I was just wondering, you know, what could go wrong? And uh, I guess a lot of things, including maybe something a conflict yeah. or something yeah you know something something like a fire you know um yeah. i you know before there was all these little float style battery charges like like the battery tender and all that i had a um i had a little i think it was it might have been like a little half amp battery charger it was probably the size of uh two decks of cards put together and it was um and i used it i actually used it for a long time but um 
I, I was reading someplace and, and it said, uh, well, it works, it works well and it does everything it's supposed to do, but for some reason if one of the cables falls off, and you know that can happen, vibration or whatever the case is, um, the battery charger itself can just catch fire. So you know, so I always kind of looked at that sort of stuff and said, yeah, you know, uh, you know, somebody I know who has um, a couple of pretty nice cars, they have a they have a battery tender, but they also have it on a timer, so they only have it they have it coming on, you know, an hour a day or so. And I think you know, if you're if you're someplace, if the car is someplace where you're not. That probably makes some sense too, even though even though the the better ones are are designed to be left unattended. Uh, I remember I was uh, uh, an old friend of mine asked me if I'd go down to his boss's house, and she had a car that was um, that was a little bit unique. But every time she went down there, the battery was dead. It seemed like because it didn't get driven often enough. And we went down and and put a and put a battery battery tender in and wired it directly up to the battery. So all she had to do the 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 uh, pigtail came out from between the grill. All she had to do was plug it in before she went home. And if she came back a month or two months later, the battery is going to be fully charged. And and you know we were comfortable enough with not worrying about what what would happen with it because it was a good brand. Again, the the Harbor Freight one, you know, I look at I look at that one, and again, I don't think I'd feel comfortable leaving it unattended. Would I be okay with leaving it overnight? Uh, or leaving it for a weekend, or maybe even leaving it for a week. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think I'd want to leave it, you know, for like six months and hope that nothing bad happens. Yeah. So in other words, I'll save five bucks, John. Is that kind of what it boils yeah, down to? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of how I'd how I'd feel about it. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was I was talking to uh, my wife about this yesterday. We were we because I mentioned to her that I. I stopped in a Harbor Freight store, and I kind of wondered with, uh, and, and again, I'm not a political person, but with all the tariffs that are popping up, whether what this is going to do to Harbor Freight, because there's all these tariffs on Chinese manufactured stuff, and since everything that's at Harbor Freight is made in China, um, yeah. you kind of wonder. You kind of wonder if you know the idea of uh, you know going out and buying a a, a three ton floor jack for seventy nine dollars, uh, whether you'll ever be able to you know do that kind of stuff again or um, you know, I, like I said, I've I bought some of their stuff and and had pretty good luck with it. I bought uh, one or two things that I haven't, but I know I was talking to a, a mechanic the other day and he bought a um, Mac uh, big long breaker bar and he broke it. And you know, of course, he was you know abusing the daylights out of it, but he broke it. And he bought a Harbor Freight one, and he said he has yet to break that one. And he said, wow. he said, and it works good. He says it doesn't, it doesn't uh, deflect. He said it's solid enough. And he's, and he said he's, he's had really good luck with it. So, um, like I said, good. You know, the, my my comment, and, and 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 you said it was. I always thought their stuff was, uh, you know, work till it doesn't. And when it doesn't, you know, depending on, depending on what it is, it could be under warranty or it could be you just throw it away and buy another one. And hopefully, you got through whatever that job was. And everything I bought, I've got through the job. So. Been pretty happy. Yeah. So, uh, um, if I may, one last question: sure. How are you are you liking enjoying your new car? To be honest with you, my wife is enjoying it a lot. 
<laughs> I I seem to be enjoying her Volkswagen more than she's enjoying my new car. So, um, yeah, but yeah, you have to say yeah, no more. Yeah, I know. All right. Okay. Take care, Mike. All right. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. And let's talk to let's talk to Bob. Bob, good morning. Hi, hi, John Paul. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. I had Paul last week. I'm the Mustang guy. I'm having oh, trouble yeah. with the uh, a leak. Well, it comes to find out, it's uh, the water is coming. Uh, hopefully, coming from underneath the uh, the thermostat housing. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of working on that issue, but I'm still working on the oil issue, John Paul. So I'm. I'm hopefully I was getting oil dripping down the back of the block, but yep. uh, I'm going to investigate more when I get that pot out of the way to look underneath the uh, manifold. Oh, okay. The yeah, because maybe I yeah. can see something. I'm not. I can't see yet. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, uh, one thing I did do. I'm sorry, John Paul. Go ahead. The thing I did do was uh, I did a compression test, and everything came out good. I was getting good numbers. Oh, good. So is that obvious? Is that a good sign that maybe the head's still intact and the intake's still intact? Or yeah, because normally if you have normally if you have a bad head gasket, you'll have yeah. two you'll have two adjacent cylinders that are that are low on compression. So you'll have okay. you know say say you know one fifty you know and then the one next to that's eighty and the one next to that's eighty and then maybe yep. you know you know and you'll see something like that so unusual okay. the other thing if you're concerned about a head gasket is you can go buy a block check kit um there i did maybe 20 bucks and yeah. what yeah and it's just uh, uh you you hold it over the top of the the radiator cap and um it turns color if there's a if there's hydrocarbons in the in the uh, coolant so you can you know that works that works pretty that works pretty well to Okay. That gives you okay. a real idea whether you have a problem. And what would that show me? Uh, where the what would show it would no, it, leak and show me? No, no, it'll just tell you really if you have a head gasket problem or a crack block or a cracked head or something like that. So it really, oh, really? confirm yeah it confirms the idea that if something's you know something's really wrong. Um, back when back what, when what, what do they call that jump off? It's a block check, block, block check test. kit. Yeah, yeah, and you can buy, okay. you know, any good auto parts store has them. Again, it's not a lot of money, you know, twenty, right. twenty-five dollars or so. You know, back back when we always used to, when we te- checked vehicle emissions by sticking the probe in the tailpipe. Remember those days yeah. before we did it? Yeah. yeah, we would do the same thing. We'd take the emissions analyzer, take the probe, hold it over the radiator cap, and if it read hydrocarbons, just the same stuff that came out of the tailpipe, you'd know that hey, there's something leaking. It's internal. It's either a head gasket or or you know, okay. or, or or something worse. So, but you can do okay. the kits. The kits work. The kits work really well. They're really accurate. Um, not a lot of money. And if you're like, oh, geez, I don't know. Maybe I'll pull the heads off and do it anyway. This will tell uh-huh. you. This will tell you yes or no whether you have a problem and whether you need to, and how far you need to go. Yeah, that the oil. That's a great idea, John Paul. The uh, the oil is kind of bothering me, but I I I still can't see where it's coming from or coming out of and. That's a. It's it was dripping on the back down the back of the block down coming down the bell housing and it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't know I I don't know if it's coming out of the same port where the water was you know the uh, mm. the neck was I, I don't I don't know 
I'm kind of lost. Yeah, it's one of those things that you have to, you know, there's no, there's no easy way. Sometimes you just have to, you just have to see it, um, you know, back, you know, back in, back in the old days, we used to do stuff like, would sprinkle, um, would sprinkle like foot powder, you know, all along, all along where you thought the oil was, and you could tell it would, it would form, it would form a, a stream, you know, because the okay. powder would the powder would stick to where the thickest part of the oil was, and you could yes. actually tr- you could actually trace it trace the oil oil slick in the powder. Well, you and know you, what? I'm going to do that because I got a degreaser to go underneath that uh, the intake to yep. clean it underneath, and uh, that's a good idea. I'll blow some powder in there, and yeah, yeah, you know, you, that might point me in a direction. Yeah, uh, hopefully, you know. I'm just missing something that I can't see yet. You know? Yeah, I mean, some you know the. the you know the other the other thing is you could go I suppose you know beg borrow or buy one of those um, uh, I guess the the proper term is a boroscope but it's nothing more than a scope with a long flexible lens on the end of it and you can you know it's got a light on it and you can stick it around and it's got a little three inch viewfinder kind of thing and you could you could oh okay you, yeah yeah well, that's a good idea yeah, yeah you know that, that I don't I don't know if auto I don't know if auto parts stores have those um, okay. I remember I remember years ago. I bought one because I thought I had a um, a leak, a plumbing leak in my house, and I didn't want to yeah. take the wall apart to go find it. And you know, I I you know found a place to access it. You know, you know, went up the wall, looked around, and said, yeah. "No, it's not the shower valve. It's not that." And I found out it was something totally unrelated. And uh, oh boy. you know, it saved it saved me from a it saved me from a. a you know what turned what would have been just a big messy repair, and I I want to say I borrowed it from. Jeez, oh, I don't know if I got it from an got it from like an AutoZone or something. I don't know if they had it um, had really? it there or or I or I actually bought it and who knows yeah, where it is yeah. today. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, you could think about something like that too. That's a good idea. Too, okay. Paul. All right. Yeah, good luck with it. Your help. Appreciate all it. All right. Good luck with it. Okay, Let me know. All right. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. I think we have another call. Good morning. You're on the car yeah, program. Hello. 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 Hey, John. Yes, sir. John, I have a question for you. Uh, hybrid batteries in cars that have all electric, okay, totally electric. When batteries fail. Who takes them, and is there any charge, or and where do you buy them? Uh, so, so you're talking not a hybrid car. You're talking a fully electric car, like a Tesla or or, or a Nissan Leaf or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What What happens is normally who normally the replacement battery um, in a lot of cases is actually a remanufactured battery. So. If you want, if you had a, if you had a, a, you know, ten-year-old Nissan Leaf and the battery was junk in it, you would go to Nissan or or uh, an independent shop that specialized in EVs and hybrids, and you say to them, "Hey, my battery's worn out. Um, can I get a new one?" And in a lot of cases, like buying a rebuilt starter, there's a core charge. So the battery comes on a pallet. You take the old battery you put it back in the pallet they send it back to the factory where they try to where they try to do something with it uh batteries are kind of interesting because even though there's a lot of bad stuff in batteries especially lithium ion and some of the other more exotic ones a lot of batteries are 
a lot of the parts of a battery can be recycled. So, um, you know, the dirty little secret of an electric car is it's electric and it has a battery in it and there's some bad stuff in batteries. On the other hand, they can they can be recycled and in some cases they have a value. So the battery manufacturer wants the old one back. There was a, there's a, there was a company in uh, in New York that was that was remanufacturing batteries and for some of the hybrids like um, the Honda Insight and the Toyota Prius, um, they were they would sell you a remanufactured battery for about a third of the price of what. Um, what some of the new batteries went for maybe even less than that and they would say oh we're going to send you you know you know here's the pallet it comes in we'll tell you how to take the pallet apart take the new battery out put the old battery back in and uh uh you know a trucking company will come and pick it up and we're going to try to make a a useful battery out of that one and the parts that don't work um then we uh then just like just like you recycle a you know cordless drill battery um, same thing happens with those, so they don't end up in landfills and bad places like that. What would you? What would one of the prices be on one of those all electrics? Um, I don't know on an all electric, but I know on like a, a Prius battery. With the first replacements of a Prius battery, when they first started, you know, you know, when that question first came up, they were eight or nine thousand dollars. Now they're twenty five hundred bucks. So basically. You know, it'd be like buying a, it'd be like getting a transmission replaced in your car, but you know, kind of the same cost involved. So, and generally, they last the 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 battery lasts. Um, they're warrantied for either eight to ten years, right from the factory. So, uh, because they're they're considered an emissions related part. So, uh, so so the warranty the warranty is pretty good. Um, most people that have electric cars don't don't really worry about the battery, even the electric. Um, smart car, the little tiny smart car that's electric. You know, you buy the car, but you don't actually own the batteries. The batteries are actually owned by smart, so you don't really have too much to worry about with those. And you can, you can, you know, it's it does electric smarts actually a pretty good little car for what it is. All right. Well, thanks very much. I All right. The All right. All right. Good luck with it. Yep. Take care. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty is how you get through. We have about ten minutes left. If you want to call us and talk about whatever's on your mind about cars or car problems, um, there's a there's an uh, article in Automotive News. It's probably a month or so ago, and it says, "Imagine paying a salesperson a sixty thousand dollar commission on the sale of one vehicle. Yes, one vehicle if." Uh, what if uh, training sales and service staff consisted of flying them to Europe so they could speak, so they could spend three weeks with the automaker driving the vehicles? No webinars here. When you uh, when they return, the salespeople behave more like marketers going to cocktail parties and art shows in search of new clients. The car can take months to close in a rare walk-in who drives out the same day. Don't worry about finance and insurance. The ultra-rich often pay cash for their cars. Few insurers. Um, Back ancillary products such as extended service contracts from any of the super uh, luxury brands. With Bugatti, for example, a single tire costs nearly $10,000 to replace. $10,000 for a tire. That's a sampling of the operational distinctions between super luxury vehicle dealerships and a mass market brand dealership. At that level, nobody needs any of these uh, cars. It's a relationship that you have to keep building to keep selling, said Jennifer Stroop. 
Rolls-Royce brand manager at O'Gara Coach uh, in Beverly Hills, California. The majority of our clients are repeat business. I go to dinners maybe three to five times a week with clients. This is my career. Sounds like an interesting career. Uh, Stroop began uh, 17 years ago at a BMW store, a brand that sold... uh, she sold for seven years before moving to the super luxury lines. Uh, when she made the change, the biggest culture shock she experienced was the sales volume. Sometimes you see three people in a day here. Other times you might not see anyone for a week. It just depends. Uh, O'Gara, O'Gara Coach uh, Beverly Hills sells Rolls Royce, Bentley, Aston Martin, Bugatti, Lamborghini, McLaren, and Koenigsegg. Uh, there are two other stores um, which sell Bentley and Rolls-Royce, Lamborghini, and Bugatti. Uh, the Beverly Hills store se- sells about 10 to 15 new and used Rolls-Royce cars a month. At her former BMW employer, large sales team sold three to 500 new cars a month. That's a lot of BMWs. At O'Gara Coach, three to four salespeople uh, sell each of the brands, except for Bugatti and Koenigsegg, where one person handles both brands. During lulls, salespeople at O'Gara work the phone. She said, you send emails, you go to events. We do a lot of things with the Chamber of Commerce. If they have a cocktail party or a mixer, we send salespeople there. It takes three months to a year to court a new customer and sell them a high-line car. Uh, One subtle objection uh, people must overcome is the ultra-wealthy are business owners who hesitate to drive a car that's too fancy to the office for the employees to see. Um, It says uh, salespeople are often paid on profit margins. Uh, Staff flies to Europe uh, for training as opposed to, you know, Typical cars where they go to webinars and things. Clients often pay cash. Um, the finance and insurance part of a dealership is a profit center. Uh, most don't do that. Uh, sales staff go to events to really mingle with the clients. Sales staff at a regular dealership rely on walk-ins. A deal can take months to come together. Well, that's what um, the thing I was asked to go to at the Lars Anderson Auto Museum a few weeks ago for, for Land Rover. Uh, was exactly the same thing. It was they invited. It was sort of a little cocktail party, minus the cocktails. But um, it was uh, it was so people could look at the cars, maybe put an order in for one. Same sort of idea as this. I'm not sure that you know as fancy as a Land Rover is. That was really it. Really worked for them. But it was it was worth going to and. Um, I didn't have to make dinner that night, so it worked out okay. Uh, One of the things I did this week, though, is I went to the Heritage uh, Museum and Gardens, and at the Round Barn, where they've always had a beautiful collection of classic cars, uh, this this week, or this season, they have a a display of Indy cars, and it is a, a remarkable display. Uh, the first and second floor of the barn, the top floor has sort of the real vintage cars, uh, cars that I don't know an awful lot about, open wheel race cars, uh, all kinds of all kinds of different cars. Uh, just the idea of being in a car going 100 miles an hour with literally a drive shaft that you can see um, going between your legs, coming you know coming out of the front of the car and going to the back of the car, and there's a drive shaft not under the car kind of under the seat between your legs, between the pedals, um, just, you know, 
crazy to you know see that type of thing little skinny tires uh and just the idea that they were traveling at, you know course speeds of 100 miles an hour in those cars um and then the the more modern cars uh that were there uh were were also pretty fascinating right up until the most modern cars they had a video that was playing in uh, in the lower level where the newer cars were and all the cars mentioned in the video were um, were featured on the floor, so you'd hear about uh, you'd hear about certain cars, whether it was Danica Patrick's car, Mario Andretti's car, whatever the case is, they were featured in the video. So you go, oh wait, that, I just walked by that car. Um, there was probably twenty or so cars, twenty-two cars on display. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go down to the Heritage Plantation, we gave a couple of tickets away. Oh, I got to ca- stop calling it that. The Heritage Museum and Gardens. It hasn't been called a plantation for a few years now, but it is a it is it is a uh, remarkable place. The barn, the circular barn, is a beautiful building. Uh, they're also uh, always tinkering with the cars on the display. Um, when I was walking around, there was a guy that had a wheel off of a car, and I bet he spent at least 15 or 20 minutes polishing the individual spokes on the wheel and going over and waxing and polishing. It was just an incredible amount of detail to make these cars look absolutely beautiful. The Indy cars are beautiful. There's also uh, one car that you can kind of get in and out of, which I did, which you re- which you really get a feeling about the amount of dexterity and some of these cars indie drivers are tiny people because i don't think or i'm not a tiny person one or the other but i i some of these cars were uh, the space you have to get in and out of uh pretty amazing turn sideways to get back out uh even if you did you know take the steering wheel off there was one of the cars a, a newer car there that i believe had the actual steering wheel and there was more controls on the steering wheel than you could find in most modern cars so uh, pretty remarkable exhibit uh, and also uh, the uh, the grounds itself have expanded beautiful flowers it's the hydrangea festival was going on uh, yesterday when I was there a big crowd for that and there's also a uh, zipline park now which I didn't even see uh, which is there so it really is it really is an event that the entire family can enjoy uh, right down a sandwich uh, exit two you go into sort of sandwich center follow the signs for uh, for heritage and you'll see it uh, so a little bit of something for everybody you can spend the whole day there if you're a little bit mobility challenged a little hard for you to get around uh, you can get around pretty easily with uh, with they have these shuttles that uh, pick you up and drop you off. Um, in fact, uh, I got there about you know, maybe 10:30 or so, and there was a um, you know kind of a glorified golf cart that sat like 12 people just sitting at the front gate, willing to take people you know to this exhibit or that exhibit. But I, I went there specifically to see the uh, the IndyCar exhibit. Also, they have kind of a behind-the-scenes exhibit. They do that probably 10 or 12 times a year where you can get to where they store the cars where you, where they're where they're parked behind the talk to the people who the volunteers that help maintain them and the uh, the level of understanding from the uh, from the museum staff is pretty good too they they have learned a lot about indy cars and uh and these cars are from the uh indianapolis museum and uh beautiful cars uh all original condition 
just uh, fascinating to look at if you've never seen an Indy car up close. And I have I have never been to Indy, um, but I have seen some Indy cars at different car shows. Uh, you know, Honda always has you know has an Indy style car at you know probably most of the big car shows, as do a few other manufacturers. But to see the progression of cars from the early 1900s um, through the modern era and see how the cars have changed and see the aerodynamics in them and see how they're all put together. Pretty amazing stuff. Hey, that music means my watch is slow. That's what that music means. But in the studio is Paul Sullivan. Let's say hello to Paul real quick. Hey. Hey. You you sound really, really good today, by the way. I don't know, uh, I, I don't know I was, what you did, but you um, great. I'm on I'm on a I'm on a headset style microphone uh, headphone sports style thing and it's, I'm stand and I'm standing up. It's perfect. Oh, perfect. good, good. Perfect. I may I may never come back to the studio. Oh, oh that that's sad for me. Oh well. Hey, what do you got going on for the Irish Parade? Uh, well, I have to get back into the swing of things because I was in Arizona last week and it was really really hot. So I have to remember what buttons to push, but I think yeah. we'll do all right. Yeah. Did you bring any turquoise jewelry back with you? <laughs> wearing a turquoise watch or anything? No. 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 <laughs> well, uh, for my listeners, I will be back in the studio. I think next week. I don't know. I think so. Uh, but uh, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and the very best in Irish music is coming up with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade. So stay tuned for the best in Irish music for the rest of the day. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.